Now join us for our teaching series, Greater Than, a study on Hebrews 1 through 10. Well, we're so glad you are here with us this morning. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and thanks for joining us in person or online today. A couple things I just want to mention to you, and we're so excited about how God is working in our ministry and in our church, specifically in the area of the next generation. And one of the things that we have been so grateful for is the climb and what's going on with our middle school and high school students. Man, we just are so thankful for how God's working in that area. And I also want to mention to you, in light of all that's coming with the snow, there will be no climb tonight. So they usually meet Sunday evenings, but they're not doing that this evening. And so I just want to make you aware of that. But the other thing I want to make you aware of is we're moving towards and forward with foundations reopening. And so here's our game plan so far, just to let you know where we are with um, just the process. And we said in phases. So the the first step that we're going to do in light of people who are willing to serve within foundations in this season and to ensure that we're able to provide maximum care and walking alongside the families, we're going to move to opening it at once a month, just starting off at once a month. The fourth Sunday of the month, we'll be opening foundations up And again, this is our way to work with and walk with families with children ages six months to to, to fifth grade. And we're just really wanting to ensure that we can sustain something in this season. As you guys know, it's been crazy. I think all of us thought COVID may be uh, the pandemic. At least I did a month, six months, and now we're well over that, almost a year into this. And so what we want to do is just to ensure safety-wise, but also that we're providing the safe and and fun environment for children to come encounter and experience Jesus. So we've been working really hard on that. If you have not filled out that survey, please do so. It will help Nicole as she's looking to understand and to anticipate who's going to be a part of that. And if you're willing to serve in that area, we would love to get you connected and plugged into that. We want you to know that we believe that the children of our church aren't just the church of tomorrow, but they're the church of today. And we say that, right? We, we say that often, and you hear me say that. And it's been so fun having them here. And, the, you know, it's been a gift to us to be a, uh, able to walk with families in this, this season and for them to walk with us as well. So just really grateful. Just want to let you know where things stand on that. And then the other thing I want to mention while I'm up here is that I've been just really grateful for our teaching team. Uh, we have an incredible, incredible, incredible teaching team here at Riverbend, and it's a real gift. And One of the reasons why we have all these communicators lined up is partly uh, we we want to ensure that we're allowing people to use their gifts within the body of our church. That's one part of it. But the second practical reason was my family got hit with COVID a couple weeks ago when my wife and my mother-in-law had COVID. But thankfully, me and my son, Ray, who's four years old, did not get COVID. Uh, And so as we were trying to anticipate and get ready, like, what if I get COVID? (laughs) Like, what happens? Like, how do we do that? We lined up easily our teaching team to use their gifts. And so this has been one of the longest stretches I have not preached in some time. But I'm I'm thankful that uh, we have a teaching team that can jump in and do an incredible, incredible job. And so today, it's a great honor and privilege to introduce to you our our teacher, uh, Mike DeSelm. He's been a part of our community for several years now, and he works with an incredible organization called Generosity Feeds. He serves on the worship tech team as well and leads a community group. He's just a big part of what's going on here. We're just really grateful 
uh, for the gift that he is and the, and the word he's going to bring this morning as we continue our teaching series, Greater Than. So let's give it up for Mike as he makes his way to the stage. Grateful for my brother and my friend. He's a real, real blessing and a real gift uh, to to us and being able to, uh, to walk with us. And he keeps Pastor Chris in check with all things fitness as well. Uh, so that's always a gift as, as well. So we're, we're grateful for that. But again, thanks for sharing this morning, brother. Thank you, Joe. Have you ever felt like you weren't good enough? Like you didn't measure up, like you weren't qualified, like you were lacking something. For as long as I can remember, this is a struggle that has been very real to me. I always thought I had to prove myself, not just to myself, but to other people that I belonged, that I was valued. This thinking has poisoned my sense of self, my sense of identity for as long as I can remember and led me to make some questionable choices with what you would expect to be questionable outcomes. When my wife and I felt called to plant a church here in the Lehigh Valley, we never thought about the fact that neither of us had a professional biblical education. We just knew that we were called. And yet something in the back of my head, this voice, kept whispering and kept whispering, and that whisper got louder, and it said, you're not qualified. You're not good enough. What do you think you're doing? So I went to Bible college to get a degree signed by people, to validate people, to silence the critics and to prove to myself and to other people that I belonged and was worthy of the title that God had given me as pastor. A title that God had given me, not man, not woman, not anybody else. Did it change anything? Not really. Um, I I learned how to better dissect a piece of scripture. Uh, I I learned uh, a little bit about how to to understand the historical context of Christ's teachings. But I didn't learn anything about how to care for people, or how to care for a church, or how to love a community. And yet still, in the midst of that season, the voices continued. You don't belong. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. It was always God's calling and some other level of validation that I needed. It was God's calling and the college degree. It was God's calling and the people who were mentoring me saying that you're worthy of this. But it was never just God. I'm not one to assume anything of anybody, but I'm willing to go on a limb here and say I'm not the only person in this room that struggled with their sense of identity, their sense of belonging, their sense of self-worth. Maybe you too have felt less than, either in your personal relationships, in your professional relationships, maybe even in your marriage. To this day, I am not a fan of titles. I hate them. Uh, they, They feed my ego. They make my heart do weird things. They don't really do anything to help but identify or maybe a role given by man. When I was in the military, titles were necessary, understood even. They, they helped you identify rank and file and do what you had to do. But in this time, in this season of refining, I've learned that it's not the title that I aspire to that matters to me, but it is the title of the one who is greater than me.
whom I hope to lift up today and every day, and that is the name of Lord Jesus Christ. So, Joe, thank you for the great introduction, but I don't need a title any more than you do or anybody else in this room. We are children of God first, first and foremost. If you're a husband or a wife, that is your second role. If you're lucky enough to have kids, you're a parent third. Remember, you were a husband and a wife long before you had kids. That is important. Kids, take note. (laughs) Lastly, I am whatever profession I choose to fill, but hopefully I am just another person lifting up the name of Christ. In this series called Greater Than, we've been looking at a letter to the Hebrews. The Hebrew people were questioning their faith. They were questioning their value. They were questioning their identity and where they belonged. In my journey, I've learned not just who I am, but whose I am. Our friends in this letter had forgotten whose they were, and they were looking to have that question answered. The main theme is that Jesus is greater. He's greater than angels. He's greater than prophets. He's greater than any other high priest. It's just Jesus, that Jesus is enough. And so my hope, my prayer today, is that as you walk out of here, You walk out of here thinking, regardless of where you're at on the spiritual journey, that Jesus is enough. It's not Jesus and. It's just Jesus. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and open it up to the book of Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 4, at the back end of chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, it's cool. We have Bibles out in the lobby. We're happy to share with you because we believe God's word is free. But we're also going to have them up on the screen behind me. So follow along with me. Starting in verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Picking up in chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Would you pray with me for just a moment? 
Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for meeting us in our brokenness, in our humanness, in our struggle. Meet us on this journey of life, on this journey of faith. Make your word real to us. Help us to better understand what we are holding on to, what confession we can confidently hold on to, and what it means to me uh, to know that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So there's a lot of things that I want to unpack here in our time this morning. If you're a note taker or maybe a highlighter person, uh, three things. Number one, it is confession. Jot down confession, highlight the word confession. Number two, high priest. High priest shows up in these passages five times. It's a title, it's an office, we need to dig into that. Number three, it is the name of Melchizedek. Random choose-your-own-adventure character who shows up just a little bit in the Bible, but it's worth talking about. So first, let's talk about confession. What's, what's in a confession? The word confession simply means to agree with. It means to agree that with what you're, you're confessing. So in, in, uh, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the author says, if we confess our sins, if we agree about our sins... He is faithful, he being Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In James chapter 5, the author again says, Therefore confess, agree, agree that your sins, agree with, about your sins with one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Present tense, as it is working. So here's my confession. Big moment. Drum roll, please. I have always wanted to be recognized. I have always wanted to be the guy, the man, the person whom all responsibility rested on. I always wanted to be the hero. For those of you who know me, you know that I absolutely cherish this moment to get up here and, and share my thoughts and my experience of not just in ministry, but in life and about Jesus. I love to lead worship. But the confession is, do I love those things for the right reasons? Before my wife and I ventured into ministry, we had a good friend of us, ours sit us down and look us very squarely in the face and said, Michael, if you can do anything other than ministry, you should. If there's any other job you prefer over ministry, if, if ministry is the only thing you can do, that's one thing. But if there's anything else you can do, you should go do that. And it wasn't because I'm not qualified, and it's not because I'm not called, and it's not because I'm not gifted. It's because my heart needs to be right. When we confess, when we agree with God that we have fallen short of his glory, Romans 3.23, when we acknowledge that we are short of perfection, we're acknowledging that our heart is not right and we need to be redeemed and restored. As I was stepping into ministry in 2008, 2009, I needed to check my head, my heart, my ego, my pride at the door and make sure I was doing this because this is where God was calling me, not because it's where I wanted to be. See, it wasn't until God grabbed a hold of my heart and my life and started to change my story that I was able to recognize that my pursuit for significance wasn't about me. It was actually about him. It wasn't about my performance, but it was about my faith and my faithfulness. Life wasn't about my pursuit anymore. 
but about making the name of Jesus greater than any other name. That confession I hold fast to. Again, I'm not one to assume anything of anyone here, but I'm thinking I'm not the only person who struggled with this. We all have things that we need to confess on a daily basis. Thoughts, ideas. Sometimes we stub our toe. We say bad things. We cut people off in traffic. You know, we, we have those moments where we think ill of our brothers, our sisters, our loved ones, the people we work with. So if I could ask you, if I could humbly ask you to do something this week, it would be this. Take a moment. Take a moment this week. Examine your heart. Look inward. Evaluate your relationships, your marriage, your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then confess. Confess and be in agreement with Lord that you are not perfect. And then seek the prayer and encouragement of a dear friend. I am so thankful that I have people like Chris who walk with me on a daily basis and I get to share life with. And my hope is that you too get that type of relationship where somebody will ask you the hard questions and not let them, you won't, they won't let you give them the Sunday school answer. Now, our confession of faith begins with the agreement and the acknowledgement that we have fallen short, that we're not perfect, that we need to be redeemed, and that this sin is the thing that fractures our relationship with God the Father and needs to be restored. That word confession that we've read about here, it isn't just associated with the acknowledgement of wrongdoing, but it's also to be associated with the acknowledgement that Jesus is who he said he was. So when you're taking that moment to confess, take a moment to also confess that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Holy One of Israel, that he has the title of Lord, his name is Jesus, and his office is Christ, High Priest, the Messiah. So don't just confess that you're not perfect, and that's okay. We don't have to be but also confess that he is the only one who is worthy and able to carry the burden of your sin and bridge the the chasm that separates us from God. A Christian's confession of faith rests on these two foundational proofs, that we are fallen short of the glory of God, and Jesus is who he says he is and is the only one who can bridge the gap. And as the ability to bridge that gap, Jesus doesn't just do that as Lord, as God the Son, he does this as our high priest. So what's, in a, high, what's a high priest? What's, what's the big deal with this high priest? Because we read about it five times, right? So the priesthood in the day of this writing is no much different than what Chris and Joe and Travis and the rest of our pastoral care team do on a regular basis. They care for the temple or the tabernacle or the tent. They care for the place of meeting. They have devoted their lives to the spiritual enrichment of those around them and to bring light, love, and hope to a community. Priests in the time of Hebrews were not much different, but they had one additional responsibility, and that was as intermediaries between God and man to accept offerings on the behalf of God, but also to make sacrifices on the behalf of people. Those sacrifices, were some of them were required and some of them were not required. I'm going to talk very briefly about the required ones. The first one, first and foremost, being the sacrifice or sin, uh, the offering of atonement. Before any other offering could ever be made to the Lord, there had to be atonement for sin. And so, uh, you know, 
in order to, in order to have access to, to to even say thank you to Lord, you had to, there had to be a price to be paid, right? Because God doesn't like sin; He doesn't want to be in the presence of sin. He's perfectly clean; we're kind of dirty, and so there's got to be a way to make us clean before we get to go talk to the man. Does that make sense? Right? And so, in order to pay this price, this penalty of sin, was that something had to die. And in an agrarian society of this day, that meant your favorite ox, your favorite goat, your favorite sheep, your favorite bird, something that gave you life, something that you depended on, because the burden of sin is that heavy, that it costs something that you love dearly. And so they would bring their, their, their favorite bull, and, the, and they would place this bull on the altar, and, and the priest would take your hand, and he would place your hand on the life of this animal, and then they would sacrifice that animal. Because life costs something. Because sin steals something from you. After the, sin of atone, after the, the offering of atonement had been made, then you can make offerings of dedication. These were required as well. Anybody ever familiar with the uh, phrase, man is not meant to live on bread alone? My youngest daughter might disagree with me because she thinks bread is life, but the, the word of God is life as well. But the offering of grain that provided life needed to be sacrificed. And so this was a burnt offering. This is something that they would burn on the altar. And we might read about it as being something pleasing, a pleasing aroma that went up to the Lord. You would make a grain offering after uh, fulfilling a vow, after childbirth, or maybe even after being cleansed from being a leper. And then there was the drink offering. And for me, that would probably be coffee. Um, in this time, it was wine. But there had to be a drink offering, and this was a daily offering. So the atonement sin uh, offering was only on the new moon, once a month. The grain offering followed that, and then the drink offering was every day. Only a priest could do these offerings on your behalf. And the priests had to be of the tribe of Levi. They had to be descendants of Aaron. And so it was a big deal to be a priest. But it was an even bigger deal to be the high priest. See, the, the high priest was the only person who was allowed in this very special place called the Holy of Holies. Sounds super spiritual, doesn't it? Ooh, what's inside the Holy of Holies? This was not the place you played hide-and-go-seek, kids. This was where the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the mercy seat of the Lord, the very, very sacred scrolls, the Ten Commandments were kept. This was the most sacred of places for the nation of Israel. And only the high priest was allowed to go in there. And it was so special that the high priest had to have a rope tied around his waist. Because if he screwed up, if he said something wrong, or his heart went bad at the wrong moment, God in his desire for justice was not merciful. That was your life. It was a big deal to be the high priest. So you had to be extra super spiritual. You had to be extra super clean. You couldn't mourn your parents when they passed away. You couldn't be in the, in the presence of dead people. You were set apart as the high priest. And before you could make the offering of atonement for your entire nation, you had to make your own offering of sin, guilt of atonement. And so the high priest was the only person allowed inside the Holy of Holies. And that was a very, very big deal. Such a big deal that this position of uh, prestige might lead one to be prideful about their position, about being the guy. They might give in to their weaknesses because of the responsibility that rested on their shoulders. 
And I think this is why the author of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 4, verse 15, that we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But instead, we have one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet did not sin. Only Jesus could fulfill that level of priesthood. To walk with us and know the pain and the struggle and the desire to give in to pride and yet not sin. And then be our high priest to make the sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. While human, he experienced the struggle. He knew what it was to struggle. All people around him doubted his calling, doubted his place, doubted that he was who he said he was. And yet he didn't sin. As God, God, Jesus knows that the penalty of sin has to be paid for. It has to be atoned for. And that only a high priest is qualified to offer that sacrifice. Again, the author of Hebrews reminds us just how fully God and fully human he was in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, where in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications. He cried blood, people. He was in such deep despair and agony, he literally cried blood. It is physically possible. And with loud cries and tears to him who was able, God the Father, who was able to save him from death, Lord God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And yet, in God's obedience, in his reverence, he was heard, but he fulfilled his role as high priest and as perfect unblemished lamb sacrifice on our behalf. As our high priest, only Jesus is qualified to offer up the sacrifice for atonement ending his life so that we might live. You know, don't, don't you think that if there was some other way that God would have done it? Like he's God, right? Like he created everything just like that. If there was some other way, God would have taken that cup from himself, from his son, God the Father, to, he would take the cup from God the Son, Jesus. And yet he didn't. In his desire for eternal relationship with us, God the Son, Jesus the Christ, put on flesh, walked among us, taught us what it was to live, and then in that time, he showed us what it was to be faithful, to be obedient, and to love. As our high priest, Jesus removed the barrier to reconciliation with God. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 and 51, it says of the crucifixion moment that Christ cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And what happened next, folks? Behold, the curtain of the temple from top to tail is torn in two. Earth shook, the rocks were split. When Christ offered up his life, he literally ripped that curtain away and gave us direct access to confidently hold fast to our confession of faith, to stand before the mercy seat of God and ask for redemption of our sins because we are covered in Christ. Because of Christ's work, we can hold fast to that confession. Uh, as we will later cover in Hebrews chapter 10, it says we have confidence to enter the holy places. Because Jesus was our high priest, we can hold fast to that confession. So as promised, I want to talk about Melchizedek. Another hard left turn here, guys. Stay with me. Melchizedek is this random character who shows up in, G- in, in Genesis, and, and Joe's going to talk a little bit about Melchizedek in a week or two, and so I don't want to you know, let the cat out the bag. But here's what's significant about Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king. 
The, name, the, the town that he was a king of was Salem, so he was the king of peace. Melchizedek's name means king of righteousness. What's special about Melchizedek is that he was the only, noted in scripture, high priest and king. And it's noted that Melchizedek doesn't have an origin or an end. That doesn't mean that he was immortal. But he has this very, very unique position of being a high priest and a king at the same time as a great foreshadowing of who Jesus would be when his time to be revealed was. What was special about Melchizedek is that he wasn't Hebrew. He, he was not a Hebrew king. He wasn't, Abraham stumbles upon him. He wasn't called by God to be, had a promise or a covenant to be more numerous than the stars, yet he knew who God was. And he was faithful and obedient and righteous in the eyes of the Lord. So, Lord, Jesus' title, Jesus, his name, Christ, Messiah, High Priest, Office. That's the only title that matters to me, because Jesus is enough, without beginning, without end. And his work on that cross is perfect and eternal. So let's tie this all together. Two weeks ago, Beth Ann took us through a story in Hebrews chapter 3 and reminded us to not harden our hearts. She quoted uh, Psalm 139 and told us to examine ourselves, see if there was any wayward thoughts or ways about us. She reminded us that God was calling the Israelites out of Israel, or out of, out of Egypt, to create Israel. They were calling, he was calling them to freedom through relational faith. He was calling them out to something greater. That thing that they were being called greater to was as Paul as. Uh, Ed referred to last week was rest. He was calling them to a greater rest. Rest from oppression, rest from forced servitude, and they would be free to physically rest in the presence of God the Father and worship him in, in, in lieu of his eternal promises. They would get to be a nation. To be invited into this rest meant that you were approved of by God the Father and you were delighted in because of Christ Jesus. Because your identity... Their identity was not hinged on the struggles of this life. Their identity was hinged on their faithfulness and their obedience. So here's the deal. If you're tired, if you're weary, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest that you seek, if you truly want to find rest, then you have to truly trust the high priest who has secured your place of rest. Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me if this seems really simple. I'm not trying to make something simple out of what is typically a very complicated life, but faith really does boil down to this, folks. Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to look to something or someone else for our validation to be qualified, to be recognized, or to reconcile our sins. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus in your selfless acts of service. It's not Jesus and your profession and your purpose. It's not Jesus and your politics and your passions. It's not Jesus and the church you attend. It's just Jesus. Your salvation is hinged on the performance of only one person, and it's not you. It's Jesus. This is the good news. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to do more. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus was perfect in every way. 
How can you top that? To think that you can is hubris and arrogance and foolhardy. Eternal salvation of humanity is the whole reason that Jesus left heaven to walk among us. This is the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, how are we, they say, hey, how are we going to find you? How are we going to know the way? Jesus said, this is the way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. See, when we're burdened by our sins and our flaws, we feel incomplete to participate in the salvation of our souls because it's not about us. Your participation is only your faith and your faithfulness. Because Jesus is both high priest and our Lord, our performance isn't the final say on our, etern- our eternity. Our faith is. And this is what it means to hold fast to your confession. Your performance doesn't matter. Your faith and your faithfulness does. I'm not giving you license to sin. I'm not saying you can go out and go be bad. (laughs) Filter. What I am saying is that when you're faithful and you're obedient, the things of love will flow out of your heart and the glory of God will flow out of your life. Your desire to do those bad things, while they will still be there and you will always be tempted by them, become less and less because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. When Jesus showed himself after the cross, when the tomb where he'd been sleeping had been presented as empty, Jesus revealed to the entire world that he wasn't just another prophet or some random high priest to be obedient to. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, Holy One of holy ones, our Messiah our high priest. So if you are to go home and remember anything, it's probably going to be this next part. COVID has definitely proven the e-commerce economy. I can't look out my front door without seeing a stack of Amazon packages on my neighbor across the street, my neighbor next door. The beautiful thing that Jeff Bezos did when he launched Amazon was that he cut out the middleman. He wanted to sell books directly to the people. And so when you come across that next Amazon package that shows up at your doorstep, I want it to serve as a reminder to you to cut out the middleman. Go directly to the source of your salvation. Go directly to the source of your confession of faith. Seek him and him alone. There is no middleman. It's not Jesus and the things that you try to do or Jesus and the things that you try to be. It's just Jesus. Go straight to the source. Let him be enough and lift his name up high. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, we are, we are all tempted to sin. It is a struggle that we will have. Maybe it's that proverbial thorn in our flesh that we will deal with all of our lives. Lord, I pray that we will always confidently bring those things to your mercy seat, to your throne, that we would have the confidence in our confession of faith to come before you with a dear friend for accountability and for reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would uh, show great compassion to those who have answered the call to your ministry, Lord. It is not an easy place to be. 
We should always be praying for our leaders, whether they are our pastors or the leaders of our country. We need to be praying for those who are in places of authority because they make decisions on behalf of other people. Lord, we pray that your will be done. And I just want to lift up our pastoral team, Travis, Chris, and Joe, and the rest of our elders, and all the other staff members that help make this church happen, Lord. Lord, care for them, love them, protect them from sin, protect them from iniquity, keep them humble and faithful to you. Lord, lastly, I pray that we would always put you first and give glory to your son, Jesus, our high priest, our Messiah, and our Lord for all that he has done. Help us to reflect on those who are suffering and bring them to your mercy seat because of the grace you've shown us. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' holy name. And I invite everybody to say, Amen.